Hello and welcome to the Bottom Up Skills Podcast. I'm Mike Parsons. I'm the CEO of Qualitans and we are at the second last installation of our design thinking series. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to test your product with recruits. Now, this is an essential part of design thinking. Everything you do should be tested, should be validated with users. And what we're going to talk about is how you get people together to test your product. And I'm going to focus more on the latter stage. So I'm going to assume your product is starting to come to life, at least in wireframes, maybe in Envision or Adobe XD. And you really want to get some feedback. Now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I need something a little bit more earlier stage, I want you to go back a few episodes in the podcast because we go quite deep into how to do quantum qual research at the very beginning of the journey of building a new product. And of course, if you'd like to know much, much more and go a lot deeper, you can get our free masterclass at bottomup.io, which goes extensively into how to use SurveyMonkey. There's a masterclass on that. We have obviously the design thinking masterclass and we have a rapid prototyping uh, masterclass. So plenty there, much, much more, all free. Go check it out. All right, let's get back to user testing. The first thing I want to say is you should be testing all the time. Now, if you're using an agile uh, team structure and doing sprints, then every two weeks the work should be tested before it goes to, to the client. Um, it should be tested before it goes to the stakeholders. It's really, really important to always be checking in because you don't want to build a house of cards. You don't want to assume things work when they don't and build sprint after sprint. And at some point you're going to realize you're wrong and you're going to have to pull back all that work. So you should be before you launch, during launch and after launch. In fact, a testing paradigm or user-centric paradigm or even broader still a design thinking paradigm, you should be testing all the time, all the time. Okay, so we've got some good uh, material to test. We've got some sort of clickable prototype where we want to get some feedback. I think the most important starting point that I can share with you is you've got to go out and get uh, testers who are in your target demographic, target user case, uh, the persona, the archetype, however you're defining your customer, please make sure that they meet that criteria and make sure that you can test them in a fair and legitimate way. So make sure that there's plenty of time, explain you're doing a test and don't rush through it. Make sure that you have time and space to test properly with the right people. Now, you might think to yourself, this sounds incredibly straightforward and sensible. Well, you're right. But here's the thing. In the rush of trying to launch a product, build a company, build a product, we often skip over these things and we don't do those basics right. And if you don't have the right person in the test, well, all the test insights are invalid. Or if you have the right person, but you haven't created enough time, you haven't made sure everything is right, You've also wasted the time. So let's let's kind of get into now, you've got the right person. You know you're testing with someone who's right in the target zone for your new product. I want to take you through how you might uh, test with them. Now, at the core of product testing, my strong recommendation would be to do task-based 
um, testing, meaning set the user a task and watch them as they attempt to complete the task. Um, please avoid at all costs falling into some sort of diagnostic chit-chat. You should have done that ages ago. This is raw, black and white, binary. Did they complete the task? Were they able to do it fast, easy, and did they do it to their satisfaction? So task-based, make sure you say, I want you to find a restaurant. I want you to book an appointment with a hairdresser or a barber, give them a specific task like that and then watch how they might go about it. Now, after you give them any sort of task-based testing, you can ask them all sorts of questions and we'll talk uh, about some of the best ways to do that. But I want to give you three types of task-based testing that you could use. The first one could be usability testing and that the inherent thing that you want to do with usability testing is can you remove as much friction from the journey, from the flow, from the experience as possible? So that's usability testing. Now, you might uh, have user groups with special needs. Let's say they might have some sort of visual impairments. Maybe they might be um, using your product in a high noise, high distraction environment. There's all sorts of things that could affect how you qualify your usability testing. And you want to try and create as close to real life conditions as possible. So that's usability testing. The other thing you can do is you can launch your whole product uh, to a closed user group. Maybe uh, traditionally may have called that like a beta group or beta testers. Um, you might even build a whole MVP and give it to a small cohort of people. That's another way you can look at task-based completion. Now, what you might uh, have to do as you move into this more broader type of testing, you might need to use tools uh, such as Mixpanel, um, Optimizely, or Google Analytics to look at it. So I would always want you to have some usability, usability testing in person, really to get that visceral insight of how people are completing tasks. Now, as we're talking about this, you might do a combo of in-person usability testing, some uh, you know have a beta version, and as the product goes live, you can continue to test. And what you could do is using tools like Optimizely you could run different tests where you serve content or interactive elements in different order in different ways for different types of users based on IP address and location. Might do all sorts of different variations. I think what you want to be able to do is look at their capacity to complete an event, to complete a task. This has always been the gold standard for me when I'm working on a product. If it's useful at all, there's a task involved and you're helping people get that done. Now, if you're doing this in person, you want to take uh, transcripts, uh, you want to ask questions at the end of the experience, um, and you want to uh, record that um, with your memo app on your phone. You want to uh, transcribe it, make notes um, for sure. Um, That's really, really important if after the experience you ask them a series of questions. Now, the other thing you can do is you can run a net promoter score survey. Very simple. How likely would you be to recommend this product to friends and family? You can um, do that after the test. And if it's a known category uh, or even after you explain the idea, you could ask an NPS, then 
you let them do the testing. And after the testing, you actually redo the NPS and see if you can create a shift in the advocacy because after the experience, you might see your capacity to increase advocacy sharing and word of mouth. So NPS is is a very uh, powerful thing to do after. If you want to get into like a really heavy quant statistical approach, what we would use on any of the three tests that I mentioned, we'd actually look at task completion rates. This would mean that if you're at the latter stages of um, product design and development, you would be wanting to look at very high percentage of completion on your tasks. So just to be clear, if you're uh, providing a product and its core task can only be completed by less than, let's say, half of the users in testing, you've got a huge problem. (laughs) You've really got a big problem. I mean, you want to be as close to 100 as you can be and and like say 40% would be an absolute shocker um, because you're, you're way off where you need to be. Now, everything that you capture in your testing, you can put that into a spreadsheet or if you really want to go full on, I would always get it all into Dovetail. You will have heard us talk about this a lot with uh, being a source to house all of your quantum core research. And that's really important because if you have one repository with a lifetime of your product creation, with all the data in there, you can know if you've really got something. You've got all the data to back it up. And this is really important because if you feel like you've had product market fit, you want to be able to show the data, you want to show the quotes, the charts that all back that up. Now, the last thing I want to give you here, it's a little bit of an extra goodie. It's closely related to NPS. It's called SUS, S-U-S. Uh, it's the system, uh, system usability scale. Uh, it's been around for quite a while now. It's, I think it's like 35, 40 years. Thousands and thousands and thousands of usability tests have been done using this. And what's great about this scale is that so many tests have been done Um, You get a mark out of 100 for your product uh, based on how the user answers the question and you can know if the usability is acceptable, marginal or acceptable. And uh, it's very powerful because it just gives you a number. It's highly tested. It scales really well. It's easy to manage. You can use it on one or 100 people. It's actually super, super handy like that. And it's a bit of an industry standard to be quite honest. So if you really want to go all bells out, you could, you know, do some usability testing, do a SUS score, do an NPS score, throw it all in dovetail, and you would have an end-to-end picture of the testing of your product. And frankly, you know, testing is so powerful because it helps you get signal through the noise. There's so much information you process as a designer, creative builder of products or an entrepreneur for a business or a leader in a large corporate organization, having these simple tools, these simple models, mindsets to do your testing with real people, uh, you can go a long way. And this is the real truth. If you continue to test with your user and don't go guessing, but actually know that they like it, don't fall in love with PowerPoint, fall in love with user testing. If you do this, it's very, very hard to get off track. 
Not for very long. Every time you test, you'll be brought crashing back to reality. And that's the power of it. So if you can bring your humble self uh, to the party, you can just learn, listen from your users and build a truly great product. All right. I hope you've enjoyed our second last episode of the Design Thinking Masterclass. We've been chatting about how to test your product with recruits. And if any of this has sparked your interest, jump over to bottomup.io where you can get free masterclasses on design thinking and a whole lot more. All right. Thanks for joining us here on the Bottom Up Skills Podcast. That's a wrap. Mm -hmm.